Good morning, folks. Pastor Chuck Blair here. It's great to have you joining me today. Whether you're joining us from our studio audience or you're joining us online, as most people do, it's wonderful to have you here. And today what we're doing is we're looking at a new series, and the series deals with the idea of commitment, and it's, it's a powerful concept. It, it goes back to this idea, this, this belief, and I think it really is true, that when the end of life comes, what we will most be known for is our commitments. Isn't that interesting? What most people remember is where commitment showed up. And we're going to be looking at that over the next few weeks, looking at how commitment shows up, how it can show up in different ways. And we're going to look today really at a global idea. How can commitment show up in relationship? Like, how does that look? How does that work? How would God have us see that? I want to start, folks, with this basic idea of what commitment is. And this is from uh, David Brooks. He writes, commitment is falling in love with something and then building a structure or behavior around it for when the commitment falters. I like that definition. Commitment, in the end, is an action, not an emotion. So commitment, we may start with that loving feeling or something we really enjoy, and then it has to transfer into these structures around it so that when that, that love, that, that, that affection for it, when that tends to wane, what happens is the commitment continues. We, you have a structure there to do it. I'm going to be talking a little bit more about this next week. There's a beautiful, beautiful quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and he's writing to his friend. This is back in the 1930s. And he says, you know, as you get married, first off, your love will support your marriage, and then your marriage is there to support your love. Like that's what we're talking about. And today we're going to look at it in this, in this beautiful, broad, holistic way of looking at, yeah, what is the commitment to relationship? If life is all about relationship, and that's we're going to talk a little bit about that, because that's worthwhile diving into. If life is all about relationality, all about community, all about connectedness, how do we commit to that? And not just allow it to just be an amorphous blob <laughs> with, with no meaning but to actually put some edges on it that have meaning and that, that can actually help us with our lives. And, and folks, just, just think about the people in your life. You know, people in your life, you're like, yeah, they really showed commitment. What did they do? How was that shown to you? How'd you live it? And isn't it interesting that as we get older, those commitments shine even brighter? I think back to my dad taking us to swim team practice all those years. That's a commitment that at the time didn't seem like a big deal. But now that I'm, a, I'm an older person and I, you know, now have grandkids, it's wow, that commitment that he made seems even larger. And to get looking at this, folks, you know, we're going to come at it at, a, at an interesting angle. I want to take a look at a famous story. This famous story where Jesus talks at age 12, he ends up talking in a temple, talking in a church. And he says, nothing may sound at the surface level spectacular, but it's something that, again, had tons of wisdom in it that we're going to take a look at today. And to get us warmed up with that, what I want to do, folks, is, is have you answer the, this question. What is the wisest thing a child told you? The wisest thing. We put that question up on social media, and here were some of the answers that we received, some of which are pretty, pretty funny. All right, Sherry writes, my son told me I was sounding like an old person once when I was complaining about something current. I think about that usually laughing when I'm about to comment on some current event. My granddaughter told me she was like a flower and could not stop growing every day. I really enjoyed this one from, from Martha out of Michigan. My very favorite one was when I was lying in bed and saying good night to my kids. My five-year-old son, kind of out of the blue, said, did God save us, save us, uh, send us his humor to save us? I kind of chuckled and said, no, he sent us his human, that idea of the divine human to save us. But then after smiling there in the dark, thinking about it, I said, no, Adam, you're right. He did send us his humor to save us. I like that one. Another person to smile. Another person, stop being so busy and sit down with the family. A couple other responses. Please just listen. The Lord has a plan. 
And Jody closes with, it was a question posed by my three-year-old granddaughter on the eve of my departure from their home in Montana to return to Pennsylvania. She asked, Mana, how will you be a teacher and a grandma? I couldn't answer her. I moved a year later. You know, we all have those pieces where, where, the, where, the, where the kids in our life offer these things that are brilliant and there's these reminders of what's true. So if you'd like, you're welcome to text those in to me at 215-740-3662, 215-740-3662, and we'll take a look at some of these answers throughout the service. And with that, folks, whether you're joining us again in person or online, archived or live, it is wonderful to have you here. Thank you for being part of our congregation, and welcome, welcome to New Church Live. Hello, good morning, everybody. What a beautiful song. And, and, and again, that, that idea of relationality. And, and you know, it's, it's, it's so important. We can't, we can't sort of park this idea of relationship outside of our spiritual lives. You know, spiritual lives are known in relationship. That's how we develop. That's how we grow. That's how we serve. It all has to be relational somehow. And that's what we're going to look at it. And, and, you know, my hope is today is that, is that it's just a service we kind of get to smile at this stuff. And get to smile at how relationships work and, and get to smile at commitments around relationship and really think through what are we being asked to commit to. And we're going to really try to take that theme and develop it over the next three weeks. So I want to start with a, with a story. And it's interesting with, with the life of Jesus, there's not a whole lot on when he was a kid. You know, we know that the story starts over here. At Christmas, we know the infant story. We know him as a very young child, very young child. And then we hear nothing about him in the Bible, in the New Testament, until about age 12. And then from age 12, it leaps right into his public ministry, which is in his 30s. 
But it's an interesting story of when he was 12 years old and, and what happened. And, and I think as you hear this, again, listen to these stories. You know, a couple of times I've seen paintings of this particular scene. We're going to be looking at it. And it sure says Jesus is this little dour 12-year-old. I don't see it that way at all. I see it as, as this playfulness. So hear this from a playful place from a smiling place in terms of what Jesus is talking about and why this story made it into the New Testament. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. So they would have traveled as a big extended family, they all go, go to the Passover, they'll go to Jerusalem. As they're coming home, they forget the kid. But they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers. In other words, sitting among the rabbis, listening to them and asking them questions. And it's, it's again, it's so... That's so significant, right? Here's Jesus, and he's 12 years old, and he goes there, and it says he's listening. Listen to that, folks. He's listening. He's asking questions. Mm. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. It's a beautiful story, and then we can see in this story, we see how Jesus reacts to it. And he asked this question. He said, well, why are you searching for me? He asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house about my father's business? Two different translations there. And that, that line, I had to be about my father's business. My work is in my father's house. That's where, when, when you look at the story, the story goes on to say, Mary treasured these words in her hearts, just the same way we treasure a, a child who says something that really moves us somehow. And this, this, this resonance, and it brings, it brings us back to this idea, like, well, well, this question, what exactly is God's business? What does it mean to live in God's house? And how does that all connect with relationship? How does that all work together? And I want to take some time to, to talk about this because, because I, I think, folks, there's, it's an important question to ask. What is God's business? Like here Jesus has said, that's what I have to be about, age 12. And it's interesting that the, the passage said he gets to that by listening and asking questions. And what exactly is God's business? Well, I want to start by, but I'm going to come over here and sit for a minute, by, by looking at this, at this really key concept. That where this all starts, folks, where this starts, when we start to sit in the place of what is God's business, is this idea. God's whole business is a heaven from the human race. That's the whole point of creation. Now, if you've grown up, as some people have in our congregation, most people haven't, but some have grown up within the Christian New Church tradition, that line is sort of stock, a stock line. We hear it all the time, heaven from the human race, heaven from the human race. But, but think about the implication of that, that that's God's business. That's why we were created. That's why the world exists. And it's a very different perspective. It's a very different perspective than the idea that, no, we're just here for private salvation. It's just all a private salvation game. It's hard, it's hard for me as a pastor sometimes to, to, to give the import to that that I think it deserves. Because I think it's super critical that we realize that life is not a private salvation endeavor. We only do it together. And that idea of a heaven from the human race, like that's why we are in relationship. And I realize right now, probably a lot of you are going, yeah, Chuck, but not that relationship. Because we all have that relationship or those relationships that don't feel like they're somehow part of the plan. But if God's whole plan is a heaven from the human race, it means it is part of the plan. And this is something we work with, we wrestle with, we struggle with. 
But that doesn't change the point of it. The point of it is a heaven from the human race. It was interesting, we were working on a, on a podcast this week, and uh, you know, I was asking our executive director, Curtis Childs, I said, Curtis, Christian New Church stuff, like what's, what's the big point? How, why does it appeal to you so much? Just kind of interviewing each other. And Curtis said, yeah, you know, the biggest part for me is this belief is gonna be okay. Love that idea. That there's this heaven from the human race, this community thing that God's trying to, to, to instill in our hearts and we're to live within that and have that context. It just adds a very different perspective over just my four walls, just what's inside my head. It means I have to be looking outward. I have to be seeking something out there. And that's where we'll discover that it really is going to be okay. This passage I love that it just came in this morning from book Secrets of Heaven. Heaven is sharing love. Heavenly joy is the joy that love imparts. So, so heaven is all about that, that sharing, about sharing what, what, what is truly loving. And when we share, when we share that, what happens is we get to experience joy. Yesterday, I, I was privileged to do a wedding. We talked a lot about that. And the idea, right, that the joy can be this starting point for life. And it's so easy to think, and I've, I've been saying this for the past couple of weeks, but it's such a big point. It's so easy to think, no, joy is a byproduct of everything lining up. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. And we can still experience joy as a basic perspective in our lives that comes from the sharing of love that comes from the sharing of love. So the other one, two other ones I wanted to talk about. So we have this idea of God's business. Number one, heaven from the human race. And by the way, folks, you could do a bunch of different lists here. Number two, God's business rests on this truth, that love is the ultimate reality and wisdom its manifestation. So that, so that when we look at what is actually real, what is true, what is meaningful, what lasts, that really is all about love. It comes back to love. And that love then is, is, it has its own wisdom, this beautiful wisdom. And then here's something to think about with wisdom even, in terms of God's business. That wisdom in turn is there to teach us what to love. Now that is very countercultural. <laughs> because it's easy to think, no, no, all loves are okay. Not really. You know, yeah, a lot of loves are okay. A lot of loves have a lot of variety. But we have to have the wisdom to know what loves are good. I mean, ask anyone who struggles with addiction, and they'll tell you, not all loves are good, and I love bear. Use that wisdom coming out of love to come right back and help you to refine, because that's God's business, and God will help you with it. Help to refine what are the things that you should be loving in your life. And the last of the three I wanted to talk about was this one. People may be different. This is a quote out of a piece of New Church Theology. People may be different, but the divinity within is the same. That idea that, that as we go about this, nobody has the corner market on divinity. Nobody. We can find it all over. We can experience it all over. And, that's, and that adds, like again, that, that adds... Throw that into that idea of that sharing of love and heaven from the human race. I think you can start to see where that creates really dynamic communities. Really dynamic communities. And the trick to it is, folks, you know, as, as we go through that, can we start to see within these dynamic communities, can we actually have within them this, this focus that comes back to this larger holding? Because it's not just something, I think, where we can, we can sit on the edge and acknowledge it. I think to truly be committed to relationship means we have to do stuff. It actually has to be a commitment, and it's a commitment to a thing, to an action, to, to a way of being. To maybe picking dinner one night <laughs> with friends. To maybe sending that text message that you've been waiting to send. To maybe a card. I don't know what it is, but... But that idea of community, community just doesn't exist because we want it to. Community exists because we're willing to build it. We're willing, coming back to that original definition, we're willing to build those structures 
that will help remind us and help bring us back together. I think that's the Lord's house. I think that's God's house. I think that is so much of God's business that we're asked to be part of as best we can. One of the beautiful parts of it, friends, is this idea that divine love and wisdom will be manifested in those it created. That then we get to this part where, where we can start to see the role that all people have, the, the giftedness in other people, and, and, and start to work towards what are those things that get in the way? How do we get rid of that? How do we find true north? How do we keep moving in our lives? But it's also this beautiful idea that divine love and wisdom will be manifested in those it created. Not might be, but will be. See, so much of that, so much of that, that community endeavor, like, isn't it interesting in this passage? Because really, just Google it sometime. Google that, that passage I talked about, and Google images. It will show Jesus there teaching. But it's interesting because when you read it carefully, he wasn't necessarily teaching. He was listening, and he was asking questions. That was the commitment. I think that gets back to this idea that divine love and wisdom will be manifested in those it created. I think that is very much the way the world works. And as we do that, folks, as we do that, it's not that life is necessarily easy. I think living things like this is challenging. And yet we have to come back to it again and again. It's been interesting with, with 10 minutes of morning calm. We do a little 10-minute program every morning. We've been working our way through, through the story of Noah and the flood. And uh, for those of you who don't know, ancient story. And then, and then the story closes with this beautiful idea of God saying, look, this is the covenant. I'm going to show you a sign, and the sign is this rainbow. And a beautiful way to look at that, when we're asked to think about that more deeply, is the idea of this rainbow and this idea of this, these colors. When you look at what New Church Biblical Commentary talks about with that, it talks about, yeah, that's, that's this idea of being able to see the world and, and be able to see this covenant and being able to see all the different colors and the idea that, that we're all colors of the rainbow, we're distinguishable and we're one. Think about that. We're distinguishable and we're one. And that, and again, this is, this is just something I, I don't have great language around, but it seems so fascinating, right? That, that that's what God chose for the sign of the covenant. That's what God chose to be this thing. Like you want to know what it really is. You want to know how it really works. You want to know what this is all about. Look at the idea of this distinguishably one. Look at the idea of the rainbow. And that all those colors together represent all those different ways we can hold life. That's the covenant. That's God's business. And how is it that, again, we can look at that and think, okay, what are the commitments in our life that might start to help that, that might start to, might start to allow that to flourish? I think, friends, you know, one of the challenges of all this, of all this with building community, is that, that building community, this commitment to relationship, is really hard much of the time. You know, this, this past weekend, New Church Live, we have a lot of weddings, a lot of baptisms, a lot of that kind of stuff going on, which is, which is just so much fun. And at a rehearsal dinner a couple of nights ago, you know, walking in, and, you know, oftentimes I, I'll know the couple, maybe a few family members, and that's about it. And every time I walk into one of those, it feels like eighth grade cafeteria one more time. Yes, exactly. And I don't mean that as a good thing, right? It is awkward. It's, it's you know, and, and trying to sort of interject myself into conversation. Try interjecting yourself into conversation as a pastor because when you do that, everyone instantly realizes, oh, we better not swear and better not tell any good stories. And it's awkward, right? It's awkward. So spending, spending like 30 minutes doing this and it's just that awkward strain, awkward strain, awkward strain. 
But then, folks, I know, I know this. I know this, and it's a, it's, I think it's one of God's miracles. I know that if I can just stick with it for about half an hour of, incredibly dis, of an incredible level of discomfort, really good things are going to happen. That there'll be connection. That there'll be a way to share with other people. That there'll be meaning. That there will be beauty. And so maybe one of the primary commitments that we have to make, if we really are going to believe that relationship is that important, is relationship to awkwardness. And can we commit to that awkwardness? And that's really hard to do because every single part of my body just wants to be comfortable. Every single part of me just wants to remove myself from that as quickly as I can because somehow being in my car is going to be more comfortable than being in that restaurant. But we have to embrace that discomfort because we're Christians. And as such, we really hold that faith is relational. There's no faith outside of that. It's why faith and love are so intertwined, and it's why it's, faith has to be more than just a belief statement. I mean, nothing wrong with beliefs, but it has to be that thing that we do over and over again. That message is so clear. It has to be that thing that we do. It has to be that person that we are. I love the way Rachel Held Evans, the late Rachel Held Evans, the way she put it. Such beautiful line here. Wholeheartedness is about seeing and comprehending my place in a bigger family. Love that line, family, there. It is about risking hurt and confusion for the sake of the thing that so many of us seek, belonging. Powerful. Risking hurt and confusion. So, so if our commitment, if we can make a commitment to awkwardness, and then as well we can commit to risking hurt and confusion, I think maybe this, these are those areas that we need to think about because, because we live in an era, folks, where, where we're so, where we're so concerned about self-care. And just doing those things that we're comfortable with. I don't think the spiritual life's always comfortable. It's not that self-care isn't bad. Like, for a lot of you, you probably need to hear, take a little bit better care of yourself. And this is what I know as well. Some of you don't need to hear that. <laughs> I don't need to hear that. I actually need to be challenged. And I imagine some of us in this room need to be challenged. Like, it's, it's, this, it's this piece where I, we live right now in a time where, where self-care feels like the automatic response. Take care of yourself, take care of yourself, take care of yourself. That is true, but not always. We need to have these commitments to other things. And with this idea of, of this commitment, when we commit to awkwardness and we're willing to risk hurt and confusion, and we're willing to see that within a family context, I mean, families have a lot of hurt and confusion in them, that's just by their very nature, we will find that sense of belonging. I was thinking about it, you know, for those of you with the stage who are, who are sitting here live, you know, we have a high school, for high school play, they have the stage set up and they have stones, you know, sort of this, this fake stonework that looks pretty cool, just saying. And it's interesting with stonework, we were looking at some stone stuff to lay a patio and, and uh, the guy was talking about permeable and impermeable stone. I didn't know there was such a thing. Now, what does that mean? That means you can't have certain stones that are designed and cast in a certain way that water will run through them. In other words, they're permeable. And then you have other stone that ain't no water going through. That's not how it's going to work. And it's interesting, folks, like to just think about that permeable, impermeable. How does that work in our lives? And, and what's the difference in our lives? Like, like what is impermeable, what's permeable? And I think what God is asking us to be is, is to actually have lives that have some of that, some of that permeability to them. Now, I want to come at the negative first and then come back to why I think that matters. I think it is very easy to build a life, especially given social media, 
that in a sense becomes impermeable to exactly what she's talking about here, hurt and confusion. Now, there's an appearance there, right? We all know that's not really true. But, but we can wall a lot of things out by just creating walls that just keep in a certain way of seeing where, where it's just our view, you know, it's just a hall of mirrors of sorts. And that, that idea of that impermeable surface, you know, we're not going to allow in awkwardness. Like, I, I'm not going to allow in any awkwardness in my life at all. I'm not going to allow in any discomfort into my life at all. If you don't allow that in, well, of course, yeah, you know, the bonus is you're not going to have much in the way of hurt and confusion for a little while. You'll be able to keep that out. But here's the kicker to it, too, folks. You'll also become impermeable to joy. Even the joy of life just doesn't quite get through. I'm going to talk about that when we come back after, after our final song in a few minutes. But, but that idea of, the, the, of life really allowing that through deeply. Because if we allow life to be permeable, far different. And the beauty of the permeability is that, yeah, it's going to allow, like, like I'm here to, that was awkward. It's able to say that, smile with it, laugh at it. That was awkward. For half an hour, that was awkward. And of course, if you're going to allow in the awkwardness, you're going to allow in hurt and confusion as well. Of course. And those aren't necessarily, please listen carefully, especially if you're younger, those are not signs that anything is wrong. It's just the sign you're doing life, that's all. Because I think what we all know is this. If we allow our lives to be permeable, yep, awkwardness, flow right through. Yep, hurt and confusion, flow right through into us. We're also creating a space for joy. For true joy to actually get at our souls, to actually get at what, where we are, what we're doing, what we're all about, which is God's business. Which is God's business. So, Enjoy this next song. And then when we come back, I want to talk about, yeah, how does this work? What's another way we could look at this perspective of commitment? Looking at it eternity to eternity. Remembering how important it is that we don't give up on each other on this journey. into your eyes It's like watching the night sky Or a beautiful sunrise but There's so much they hold And just like them old stars I see that you've come so far to be right where you are How old is your soul? I won't give up on us Even if the skies get rough I'm giving you all my love Still looking up You're needing your space to do some navigating. I'll be here patiently waiting. See what you find.
This is your friendly reminder to make a donation to New Church Live, and it's super easy, and there's a handful of ways. There's a QR code below, which will take you to the donate page, or you can text the word New Church Live, all one word, all lowercase, to 77977, and you can make a donation that way. Or you can visit our website, www.newchurchlive.tv, and there's a donate tab there. Both places, you can set up a reoccurring donation or you can make a one-time donation and all of your support helps fuel everything that happens here at New Church Live. We're so appreciative. Thank you all so much for making a donation. Thanks. Thank you, Angela. Is that, was Emily's song good or what? <laughs> Wasn't it? It was just, it's just so beautiful. And I, I love that idea of, of not giving up. It's just a really powerful, powerful concept. You know, I was reading a, a book for Easter, and this, this pastor had this beautiful line. This is Esau McCulley, and he said, Commitment, not mere enthusiasm, is love fully matured. That's, that's photo-worthy. Commitment is love fully matured. You want to know what a mature love looks like? Look at commitments. You, you know, it goes back to that idea. What are we known by in the end? Well, we're known by that love. But that love will be manifested in these commitments. And we have to think about that. I mean, what if driving home or walking home today or going out on a walk today if you're watching online, you just shared with a loved one, yeah, what are your top three commitments in life? What are they? I mean, what a great conversation to have. Because that, in the end, is what we will be known for. To be known by your name is to be known by what your commitments actually are. And commitments do this beautiful flip. There's feeling in love and there's being loving. And it's wonderful to feel in love, incredibly important. And that gives rise to this commitment of being loving. And what I can tell those of you who are younger is this one will actually be critically important to creating this one. It looks, it looks a little different. You have feel in love and then being loving. Well, of course, if we feel in love, we'll always be loving, but you're not always going to feel in love. And you can always choose to be loving. 100% of the time, you're 100% free to choose to be loving. Not in a perfect way, but that is where your choice lies. And you can live into that. It was, it was interesting, as we all do for these, for these sermons, we do a lot of study and a lot of group talk and conversation. And there's this beautiful little line that I, that I just love, just love. 
And it's where Emanuel Swedenborg said, yeah, God's covenant, it exists from eternity to eternity. In other words, God's commitment exists from eternity to eternity. Now, I want to just play a little game with you here, something a little fun. And, and if you're at home, you're welcome to do this with your hands. If you're here, do it with your hands, please. You know, and I'm going to turn and face the screen here. And if, if you think, folks, like our fingers, here's our two fingers. This is where we are in life. And then we have the past going back. And then we have the future going forward. And there's so many places where, where we have to find that commitment to life. And I think part of it, again, is do we find that commitment? We look, we look at the past, and you look back at all the people whose commitments got you to here today. And you really think about all that. Grandparents, parents, a coach, a teacher, a friend, a partner. You know, all their commitments who brought you to where you are. And if you really can honor that, if you really can understand that, then you're going to be able to see as well, oh yeah, well of course, then, then that, all these commitments that were the covenant, of course they're going to be commitments into the future, and that's how we're going to live. And I think we can, we can flip that different ways too, right? We can, we can see that commitment, and, and, and just imagine, folks, like, like even a commitment to joy, right? All the commitment to joy that comes from the past into this current moment and that becomes the future. I think that's why Richard Rohr famously said, you know, it's hell all the way to hell or heaven all the way to heaven. If we really look at that light, like if we really get it, that it's eternity to eternity, what, what are we going to pay attention to that's going to bring us into the present moment? If all we're going to pay attention to is our own comfort, or, or how hard life has been, or all the problems. We've got our list of all our problems, and that's all the past is, is a list of our problems and gripes. Of course, that's going to be the exact future we have going forward. Eternity to eternity. But what if we left here today just saying, okay, yeah, I have this moment, and, and I'm going to actually choose a little differently here, or just work at it, progress, not perfection. And, and what, if, what if I really got clear, of, really got clear, really got clear of all those commitments that got me to where I am today? What if we all could share that and celebrate it? Wow, there's a world. Because I, I bet you if we did that, I bet you that that would be the way we would live into the future. At least I think that's how humanity works. And then instead of it becoming a list of problems and gripes, it becomes a list of commitments. And a commitment and a list of the commitments and the moral joy that those commitments have brought to our lives. The moral joy. I mean, that's real joy, folks. That is real joy. That is varsity level joy. It's very different joy than the joy of distraction. I said it a few weeks ago, you know, this one author very chillingly said, the number one skill we have today is browsing. I think there's something to that. But think of that in your life. If we truly can choose something different, something moving different into eternity to eternity. And it's not perfect because that means that in that past, of course, we have to see those places, like see those places where you did embrace awkwardness, where you did embrace, as Rachel Held Evans said, you know, you, you did embrace hurt and confusion. That was part of the game. And look at where it brought you today, but, but look at it with a positive lens at it. Look at it with a positive lens and see how that moves forward in life too. I would bet you some of your most awkward moments have been some of your greatest teachers. <laughs> Yeah, kind of amazing to think about. So commit to that. Folks, you know, it's, it's, when, when you look at commitment and you look at what it looks like, I guess the closing word, what do I want to say here? I want to say, you know, as I was, I was trying to like get a mental picture in my head for today, it's, it was this big giant circle. And, and that's what our commitment is to. 
It's not a commitment to a little point. Last, next week, we're going to look at how we commit to relationships and people, not just people. It's not just a little point. It's, it's this expansiveness. It's this, this everything that's in your peripheral view on out. And because that's the way I think God is asking us to see it. And he's asking us to bring our commitment to that. Because that becomes harmony. That becomes the better angels of our nature. That becomes a life very worth living. And that's, that's not something I think that's culturally easy to do. But why don't we do this? Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's figure out what those commitments are. Make sure they're aligned to the best of loves and do it. That simple. And that much in relationship and that much living in love. Amen. What we're going to do now, friends, is now I'm going to offer a little prayer. Then we'll have, we'll have a little blessing or the Lord's Prayer. Then we'll have a little blessing and then we'll have our final song. So please join me. Lord, thank you for your presence here today. And Lord, help us to see this commitment to relationship as being about your business, as being what happens in your house. A commitment that starts with a willingness to listen, a willingness to ask questions, and a willingness to make commitments to those higher, best things of life. Real commitment. A commitment, of course, that has that idea of sacrifice because to sacrifice means literally to make sacred. Thank you, Lord, for your presence here among us today. Help us find those commitments that bring the greatest of joy, the moral joy that we have served, that we have loved, that we have connected, that we are family, and that we belong. Hear our prayer. Our Father, who art in the heavens, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so upon the earth. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you, bring you peace, bring you home. Amen. Have a good week, everyone.
yourselves. Have a great week. Thank you.